Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Unexpected outages happen all the time, even when you're recording a podcast. We've had them happen to us several times, like the first time we tried to record this podcast about unexpected outages. Having a plan of action when an unexpected power outage or internet outage occurs allows you to remain focused and productive. In this episode, we'll talk about several ways you can remain productive or work to increase your productivity during a power or internet outage. But before we get started, Will, what's been out with you? I don't know. I, I tried to make something up. It wasn't good. So what have you been fighting this week? That was an yeah. unexpected outage uh, <laughs> of your abilities. Uh, yeah, so I did a pretty major upgrade to my workspace because you, know, you were out. And, you know, well, a lot of it kind of started when you were out before in Albania. But I didn't really get to it till this last week. Uh, so I've got a new sound system on my computer. I have um, a brand new office chair. Um, I got a little nice little Bluetooth receiver that's not the junky one that comes with the Logitech that uh, is like the overly attached girlfriend of Bluetooth receivers, which Amazon did not like my review of, by the way. But it's still hot garbage. Yeah, so I've like completely reworked my work area. I've got everything uh, much more organized in terms of like where the cables and stuff go, so they're not like sticking out all over the place. I mean, I went to the level of diagramming everything out and measuring how long of a cable I needed, you know, and then ordering all the cables and fixing it so that like it's not going to be a problem again. So you went full med student on it. I did, dude. It's ridiculous <laughs> how much better it is. I bet. I bet that that does sound nice. And I, I found um, I found two MP3 players on my desk that I didn't know I had. <laughs> not surprised. I uh I I'm wary of what I will find when I do buy a new desk and clean this one off. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. It's coming one day. You'll hear about it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So how about you? Well, it's uh, been a little bit since we've recorded. Uh, we were scheduled to record this episode, but uh, my internet went out and we weren't able to record that night. Then I went down to Florida to visit my sister sort of for a working vacation and there just wasn't a really quiet place where I could set up and record down there. So I didn't get to. I did work remote from her place and, you know, spent the evenings hanging out with my nieces. Took the day off on Thursday to go ride some roller coasters at Universal's Islands of Adventure. That was awesome. We rode the new Velocicoaster and uh, Hagrid's Magical Creatures motorcycle rides twice. Um, all the others we rode once, but those two were the new ones and uh, did that twice. The The second, the motorcycle ride, it was really cool because they had a virtual line. So you get on your phone and they're trying this out, but you get on your phone and you wait till it comes up because it filled up brand new ride pretty quickly. So you just have to wait until and then hit it. And I guess they were about three hours out because the first time we did it, it was three hours wait. So that was cool because we went and rode a bunch of other roller coasters and got there uh, 
three hours later. Uh, the frustrating thing, though, is the time kept changing. So, like, I, I complained about this, and they're like, well, it's it's simulating what would happen if you were in a real line. I'm like, yeah, but in a real line, I'm going to be, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to be there on this. Like, you don't allow people to carry their phones on the rides. So if the time changes and moves up, which it did sometimes, I could completely miss my time slot. We didn't, thankfully, because we were keeping like track of it. But yeah, so they got some kinks to work out on it. But, uh, but that was cool. I also bought uh, a wand in the Harry Potter area. Um, my niece has spent a few hours going around uh, making things move in the shop windows with it. It's kind of cool. So let's see what else. Uh, it's, a lot's happened since the last time we recorded because it's been a while. Went and saw Black Widow. Such a poser. It was good. A bit cheesy at times, but you know, it's a superhero movie. What do you expect? Dude, you should go see it and tell me how the Russian is in the movie. Not the accents. I mean, you know, everybody makes fun of the the fake Russian accents, but you know, the, the actual Russian. Of course, don't watch it if you haven't seen Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War first. I haven't seen the Captain America one yet. Yeah. You definitely need to watch that because it takes place the bulk of the movie takes place after that. A lot of the plot won't make sense if you haven't seen that. However, for you, don't stay for the after credit scene because you need to have seen all of the movies. Yeah, my daughter yeah. and I wanted to kind of sit down and actually like binge watch all of mm-hmm. them at some point. So that may be something we need to do. Major spoilers on that. But uh, yeah, the, the time frame is, for the bulk of the movie is um, after Civil War. So that, that's good. Otherwise, like I said, it was a it was a fun movie, bit cheesy, but yeah, you know, what do you expect? It's a superhero movie. Saving money is hard, especially when you don't have power or internet, even though you're paying for it. Lucas Casades is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Yeah, and just like us here at the podcast, he focuses on helping you not only establish a real plan, but to take action on that plan and live your best life. Investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can get a good return on your investment and improve your finances with the help of Level Up, which we believe you can. The compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Yeah. And the nice thing is that Lucas uh, and Level Up has set up a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. Lucas is also a fiduciary for his clients, which means he's not here to sell you a product, but to actually help guide you to a better financial situation. And by the way, I spent some time kind of looking into this stuff. The number of fees that you get hit with on some of these places is absolutely insane. And the number of like upsells and things like there's there's some really uh, sketchy stuff. He doesn't do that. Uh, he actually you know does it right. Uh, so uh, definitely check him out. Yeah, so you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, um, where he covers financial topics you probably face and interviews other techies who share how they navigated their careers through the finance their finances. Uh, and you can learn more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. Being productive is difficult when everything is going well and in place for you to actually succeed. When something you rely on heavily, like you know the internet or power 
those kind of things goes out, it's kind of easy to fall into the trap of assuming that you can't get anything done at all. However, there are a lot of things that you can do when faced with an outage that will help you remain productive or even improve your productivity. Yeah, not everything you do in your day-to-day work moves the needle forward. Some things like unit testing, refactoring, that sort of stuff are more to prevent productivity from being reduced. Other things that you do, such as organization of your workspace, help to improve your ability to be productive while not exactly productive themselves. Uh, When faced with an unexpected power or internet outage, if you are prepared, there are a lot of things that you can do to maintain or even improve that productivity. In this episode, we're going to discuss what you can do when the power internet suddenly and unexpectedly stops working. By the way, you'll probably want to write these down because you're going to need those potentially for listening to the podcast. Uh, For each situation, we'll start with a discussion about the reasons for the outage as that will play into how you handle the situation. Then we'll spend most of our time talking about ways in which you can remain productive even without things that seem necessary to do your job. Then uh, in the aftercast, we're going to talk about different approaches to remaining productive and how to stay productive when you're distracted. So first off, there's no power. Possible disruptions to your power supply. And in this section, we're going to talk about kind of what power outages are. A blackout happens when there is no power at all coming in. It's a total disruption of power in a specific area. And this can happen due to damage to power lines, transformers, either from accidents or nature. And typically, you don't really have a lot of warning when it comes to these. Yeah, um, I know at my house, it doesn't happen during storms, but like two days after a storm, it'll hit in the middle of like a cloudless day that's not particularly hot. And you're like, like just go outside, kind of shake your head. It's like, what happened? And we've never been able to figure that out. The power company was actually out here last week trying to figure it out. So that is that is very strange. I wonder if maybe they're doing like, repairs on something after storms and it's like a day or two later when they actually like have to do some rerouting or something. That's kind of my thought because it's a uh, very tree heavy road coming up here. I mean, you know, you've driven it plenty of times and it's windy and yeah, that, that is one suspicion. Another suspicion is that possibly water is getting in somewhere, somewhere back in the infrastructure and it's taking two days to get into a situation where it's a problem, which I, don't completely understand how that would occur unless it's like a pinhole drip, you know, after it gets in and pools somewhere. I've really thought about this more than I should. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, um, that can be very annoying. And then, uh, rolling blackouts. I don't, I don't have this in the notes, but, um, they, uh, they're basically where areas of the power grid are just like down and then they'll come back on and another area will go down. And you'll just, you won't have consistent power. You'll just, it'll be like, all right, you're out for a while, no power coming in. And then you got power again. And you're like, all right, everything is good. And then two hours later, it's gone. Yeah. Don't ever start your crock pot right after it comes back on because uh, <laughs> it may go back out. Now, a brownout is when the voltage is reduced, which causes a partial outage of power. Uh, With these, you may still have some power to run basic electronics, but your high-consumption devices will not work. 
these are typically planned by the power company and you'll typically have some warning if you got the warning. Yeah. If, if you got the warning and if you have a good, like, I don't know, like the way they, they give those out or send those out is usually via mail. Yeah. If they can plan it ahead, far enough ahead or email sometimes, but you know, you have to not have your spam filter blocking them because I mean, they also send you a bunch of crap too. So, um, which, which can be annoying. Or I guess maybe if you live in a small town and you pay attention to the local news, they'll announce it on there too. Or you know somebody at the power company? If it's a small enough town, you probably do. Yeah, that's do. true. That's true. If, you, if it's a small enough town. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking I'm not related to anybody at the power company in my hometown, but I am a, somebody at the phone company. <laughs> so this is what happened to me. It wasn't with the power. It was a brownout of internet service. And we're, we're not going to talk about blackouts and brownouts in the, the internet section. But uh, so what happened is a construction crew hit the main line and like it worked for most of the day. And then I suddenly started getting like these, some things would work, some things wouldn't. And I, uh, I called spectrum, um, charter, which is my provider. And, uh, they, uh, they told me what happened. I was like, Oh, well, probably not going to be able to record tonight. So we, we just went ahead and called it. And, um, then uh, rescheduled, and here we are recording it now. So, woohoo! Now, guys, after a blackout, the power can come back stronger than normal in what's known as a surge. This is a sudden increase in the voltage above what is normally expected. Uh, sensitive electronics should be unplugged during a blackout or at least plugged into a surge protector to keep them from being damaged. Yeah, uh, routers are especially vulnerable to this. A lot of times it's not so much damage as it just gets weird after those. And, you know, one machine won't connect <laughs> and it, you'll have like some, you know, some really crazy uh, network problems that you really have a hard time troubleshooting until you bounce the router and all of a sudden it's fixed. Uh, if you see that a lot of times it's because of surges. So Beige already did mention this, um, but to try to kind of fix some of these things, you need an alternative power supply. Yeah. Each of your computers should be hooked up to an uninterruptible power supply, or UPS, not the package. Although that uh, may be how you, it, you get it. That's true. That's true. Now, when you do this, unless you spend a lot of money on it, don't expect to be able to keep working while using one. They will give you enough time to kind of finish what you're doing, save the work you've done so you don't lose it and then shut down your computer. If it's just the power that's out, then you may be able to power a modem for a few hours uh, with one that is just dedicated to the modem and router. So if you've got a, a laptop with battery power, you may be able to keep working for a few hours on the internet with that. Yeah, and I've got one that's an absolute beast that was a rack-mounted one in the other room. And that one will hold up for quite some time because it's meant for a server environment. But yeah, most of the the little dinky ones, even you know, even the good ones you get in an office supply store, like you you don't want to stay on there very long. Yeah, and a lot of them will have some type of indicator uh, as to like how long, how like much power they have, what their voltage is, that kind of stuff. 
They also have cables that you can hook up to them usually that will talk to your machine and you can run software on there to say, hey, if I'm not here and the power goes off, shut the machine down safely. And I have that set up on mine. Like you mentioned, laptops are great. You know, it's not just the portability, but the fact that there is a battery pack in there uh, really helps a lot because you essentially have a backup power supply for potentially 30 minutes to two or three, four hours, sometimes even more than that. Yeah, and that's that's nice. Uh, I have used that when the power's gone out just to keep working. You know, you can you can sit there and keep keep going. You know, make sure you turn off any non-essential apps. And probably don't run anything that's written in Electron. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to do a Visual Studio build. No Camtasia. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because that's going to that's gonna drain your, your power pretty quickly. I remember we were trying out ReSharper. And, you know, Macs are known for their very long battery life. And one of my coworkers was just like, hate, like, hating on ReSharper because she's like, yeah, it makes it makes it, you know, easier to do stuff, but it absolutely drains my battery. Like it'll only last for like three hours on battery power. Let me break out the world's smallest violin. <laughs> a laptop <laughs> is good for like 20 minutes on its battery. Of course, it's way out of date. Yeah. It needs to be updated, but of course it's got resharper on it. So I might be able to get like 30 minutes on it if I get rid of resharper. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, okay. Because I mean, like Mac batteries are known for eight to 10 hour and yeah, running a Windows VM does really consume the the battery. But um, yeah, apparently the ReSharper just really ate it and she did not like that. And we ended up not getting ReSharper, but that's okay. Can't always get what you want. Sometimes some people have to be plebes, dirty, dirty plebes, you know, living in mud huts. (laughs) Wow. Yes. Now. If uh, <laughs> if possible, you may consider adding solar panels to your house. Um, living in an area that gets a lot of sun will allow you to keep working even when the power uh, coming in to the house stops, assuming that it is sunny outside and... And the power is clean enough where you can actually do that. And There's a lot yeah. more to it, but yeah. Um, yeah, because typically when the power goes out, unlike with Will, which solar panels may work for his situation... But uh, except for the fact that he's got a bunch of trees, but uh, and an HOA, yeah, solar panels aren't going to work if it's like storming out, which is typically when the power goes out. Yeah, uh, there are other options. Of course, you can use generators. Uh, they may be noisy and expensive. I know my neighbor's generator is noisy because I've heard it. <laughs> uh, every time my power goes out, I hear their power, but they can keep you running for a bit during an emergency. If you live further out from civilization, a lot of times it could take a while for power to come back. Uh, like I remember uh, we had a ice storm in 1993, for instance, and I think where I was living at the time, our power was out for like eight days. It would probably be more like four now because there's more stuff over that way. And so somebody would probably actually care to come by, but it still would be a minute. I'll also say if you're at the point where you're going, hey, I, I need a generator, it's more than likely that you're not going to be considering powering your computer so much as like your freezer. Yeah. And some other things, uh, especially like around here, your air conditioning unit. (laughs) Uh, It's a wee bit warm and damp out there right now. I remember my grandparents living out in like this little unincorporated town 
in West Virginia. They had a generator in the pump room. They had a separate building for, you know, pumping. And uh, yeah, their power, if it went out, they just go out, start the generator. You'd hear it sometimes. I remember being there in a few different storms and they still had power. We just had a wood-burning stove and um, like my dad had this ridiculous like man grill. It looks like something that they used to like bust the gates in Lord of the Rings or something. You know, just this monster. I mean, you've seen it. You've seen the kind of yeah. hardware he always gets. Well, yes. If if it can be taken to the extreme, your dad goes a step further. <laughs> yeah. <Finds laughs> He's <some> cool. Liar. <laughs> but it's always over the top. You just never know. Another option uh, always is to uh, go somewhere else that has power if you can. Like if you're not using a desktop like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my work machine's a laptop. Uh, but I did that when I was working remote before. And actually, I talk about this in my book. That may actually be potentially where you got some of these points. I don't know. But actually have a set of places that you know the Wi-Fi passwords to and you know where they are. And then just go there when the power goes out. Problem solved. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... uh, Was I supposed to read your book? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Did you read it? I don't know. I I read one version of it. I don't know if it was the final version. (laughs) I don't either. The one I read was the final version, for that matter. Uh, You sent me a PDF um, of it, and I I read that. Yeah, it's like there's a blur of content creation, and until you're in it, you just just don't know how it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like, the big thing I was thinking about is, if you're at home, you can always try going into the office if you live close enough. Like, you know, I'm about an hour or so away from the office. I could technically go into the office if I had to. And I actually have been in a situation where the power went out at the office uh, because they were doing some work and our floor just got no power. And so they just sent us home. They expect us to work because we all had laptops. I think they told us that it was optional. So I still worked because I had stuff to get done. Uh, And I was also trying to prove that work from home is a good thing. But uh, yeah, so you can go home if you're at the office. Uh, assuming you have power at home, because if you live close to the office, you might be on the same power grid. Yeah, eh. I was going to say, if if you lose power at home and at the office, uh, it's a meteor strike. Yeah, if I do. You are. <laughs> you know, it's a meteor strike, a nuke, you know, something bad happened. Yeah, yeah. So next, have a plan in place before the power outage. Yeah. Obviously, keep supplies on hand that you're going to need to keep working while you're waiting on power to return. Uh, you know, when the office goes dark, it can be very frustrating and dangerous to fumble around looking for things like, you know, maybe a flashlight. Uh, of course, you kind of have that on your phone. Um, it's also possibly a good idea to have a, an emergency kit or other preparation ready for when this happens. You know, depending on what has occurred, that might be real important. Yeah, I, I have a window here in my home office. So if the power goes out, I've still got light coming in um, during the day. But I also have sort of a little emergency kit with a flashlight and a few other things right here beside me that I can just, I can grab and make it out to uh, where I keep the rest of my supplies. And I've got a flashlight or I've got an under desk mounted light that I can pull off. It's battery powered. And so I just reach and grab it and go from here, even though I do have lights. Yeah. No, with your emergency kit, especially at the office or even your home emergency kit, you're going to need at least one flashlight, preferably more and preferably the lantern kind. 
Are you familiar with that? As opposed to just a point source? Yeah, we used to take them camping where you you slide it up and it's a lantern. You slide it down and it's a point. Yeah, those are really nice for just having some ambient light to get stuff done. And you don't have to like point it or point it at a wall and let the reflection from the wall. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it just makes life easier in my opinion. But uh, also have plenty of extra batteries. That's a really big thing because if you don't have batteries, that flashlight's not going to work. Yeah. And you can find lots of dead ones in your other flashlights. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> in case you're wondering where to look for those. Yeah. Now, Will mentioned the flashlight on your phone. The thing is, you really don't want to use that. Right. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's fine for like quickly finding the, the real flashlight, but that really drains your phone's power fast. And you're going to need your phone. Because potentially you're in a much more serious situation, like if a you know a tornado comes through, like what hit Nashville a while back. Of course, I think at that point, even some of the cellular service was disrupted as well because that got smashed. But yeah, you, you don't want to you don't want to use that unless it's the only thing you have. Now, if you're trying to also continue to be productive, like nothing's really broken except the power's just off, like what happens here all the time. Try to keep pen and paper on hand. This will help you if you're doing things like uh, writing down ideas, keeping track of what you were working on before the power went out, that kind of stuff. You you can also keep notes on what is going well, you know, as far as your ability to handle a power outage so that next time it happens, you do better. This is a, a good time to think about like refactoring and those kind of things because the power is out. It's not like you're going to watch TV. So, you know, that I've done that plenty of times. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about uses for the pen and paper a little later on. Lastly, under your plan, make sure your office phones are set to forward to mobile phone when the power's out. Just because your power isn't working doesn't mean that your customers or even other parts of your business have stopped working. Yeah. I mean, somebody could have just tripped the breaker in your area. And so you, you, you need to be able to at least respond to people and say, hey, I can't, get to that right now, you know, have some way of saying, letting them know what's going on. Especially if you have customers calling you. Uh, I know most of us don't work in direct customer support roles, but it's still uh, still good when management is like, hey, you know, management is in another city and they're calling you going, why haven't you completed this? And you're like, yeah, you power's out in the too. whole city. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and now we're going to talk about some of the stuff that you can do to be productive. And that is to take time to complete tasks that don't require power. Filing paper documents is something that no one enjoys doing. I have a stack of them on my filing cabinet that need to be filed because I just hate filing. But we all have that stack of things that need to be sorted and filed. I don't since yeah. today. Yeah, well, you're the lucky one. Now's the time you can do that. Uh, if you have enough light, you may also use the time uh, when the power is out to actually reorganize and clean up your workspace, uh, even possibly cleaning your desk. Uh, if you're a developer, I know that uh, you're probably going to find a reason not to do that. Uh, while this isn't directly productive to the business, it will make you work more efficiently when you do have power again. Plus, you know, you could do like I did today and find a couple of MP3 players. That's true. So, yeah. Yeah. You never know. I, I dread when I have to clean this desk it's not going to be fun 
The problem isn't cleaning the desk. It's finding places for all the random stuff. Like the things that are like, all right, I don't want to throw this away, but I'm not currently using it and I don't have a spot for this stack of hard drives. Yeah. So or look down and what was on my table or on my desk, there's a stack of hard drives right there. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is what it is, y'all. It really is. Now, I said we talk about what you can use a pen and paper for. You can brainstorm ideas for improving your systems. Uh, I know Will talked about thinking of some ideas for refactoring. You know, so many of us are too busy working and focused on the next task at hand that we don't really take time to think about how to improve what we already have. And you can use this time to come up with some ideas on how to improve your code base, your systems, or even your overall architecture. And just sort of map it out, write it down. And then when you do have power, start looking at ways to implement it. And, and by the way, this can also apply to your other systems as well, like how you handle you know, incoming projects, how you handle PRs, like what could I do better? You know, you can really make good use of this time. Another thing you can do uh, now that you have a little bit of time to think about your career on the clock, because we have a hard time doing that sometimes, actually write down and think about your career goals. A lot of us don't have them really written down anywhere and encoded. And that's kind of sad because you kind of want to be able to refer to that and go, yep, I'm going the right direction or no, I'm not. Yeah. Or you may look at them and go, hey, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. Like you may be wanting to go into management, get yourself a, a lead position that has a little bit of management involved and realize I don't want to do management. I want to go into software architecture and be an architect. And so your your goal may change. And if you don't review it, then you may keep going towards a goal you don't don't want anymore. I know we're, we're getting a little off topic here into talking about goal setting because that is, I mean, you know how we have a yearly theme? That is like the podcast theme, it seems. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> so many of us are not very good at it. And Will and I both found out when we started actually setting goals and, and doing this stuff, just how powerful it can be. So speaking of powerful things, uh, another thing you can do is actually get out of the office and take a, an actual break. If it's a short outage, this is a really good time to get a little exercise, you know, go for a walk. Not only does this get you out of a stuffy office, but it kind of helps you clear your head uh, so that when you return, you can actually get back into working. Uh, a lot of times it's also kind of nice because if the power goes off, the air conditioner is off and you may just want to be outside where there's some air movement. Although here, that's, you know... It's Satan's blast furnace outside right now, so that's not really uh, <laughs> not applicable. Eh, I mean, it's cooler than it was in Albania, so yeah, no joke. I but I don't live I, in Albania. <laughs> my internal thermostat reset while I was there, and so like I actually had to bump up my my normal temperature in the house a little bit to be comfortable because I just got acclimated. Which is quite nice because, you know, <laughs> means I'm spending less. Yeah. <laughs> so now along the same lines, um, if it's around lunchtime, you could take an early or an extended lunch break. If you're in the office, use this as a chance to spend some time with your coworkers. Getting to know each other will lead to better team cohesion and therefore more productivity. So 
if you want to uh, to sell this to management, be like, hey, I, I can't get anything done in the office, so we're all going to go out to lunch. And, you know, you want to come with us and bring your credit card? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Do some team building, stuff like that. And, you know, when you when you propose it that way, they're more apt to be okay with you spending a little time just hanging out on the clock because it does that. We have this thing um, at my new job called uh, the virtual water cooler where once a week we all just hop on and not everybody can do it because we have like, you know, different things going on. There's just this 30 minute time frame where we hop on a video call. You have to have your video on. And the one rule is no talking about work. We do that after our um, morning stand up for probably about 10 minutes or so. We just call it our shenanigans time. And there's no telling what will be brought up in there, but we do exactly the same thing. A lot of that, I think, is to help people that are not sufficiently caffeinated get that way, too. That's fair. That's fair. Now, taking the rest of the day off will allow you to get some rest and you know, maybe enjoy some time away from work. This is going to improve morale. And again, it will increase your productivity when you do come back the next day because you've had a little bit of a break. Supposing you're not stressed because you have like really tight deadlines that don't have any flexibility. If that's the case, we have some other like the power outage. <laughs> yeah. I so said we have some other episodes about finding a new job that you can listen to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, what's the point in being in the office when there's no power? Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, just make sure you have permission to take off early before leaving for the day. You know, if management is cool with it, then absolutely get the rest. So a slightly different but very similar situation is when you have no internet. Uh and uh Used to be no internet didn't really matter because you could get a lot done without in the internet. Nowadays, not so much, y'all. So let's start off talking about some causes of internet loss or lack of internet access. Yeah, the most common cause of internet outages is to uh, obviously have Comcast as an ISP. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Actually, they've been pretty good here lately, so I don't want to um, make too many jokes about that. But service outages are the biggest reason for not having internet access, especially in your home office. Um, at work, people tend to try to have redundant connections because they're losing money by the second if they don't. At home, you're probably not rich enough to do that. Yeah. So yeah, your your biggest problem is going to be the company that, uh, that provides uh, your internet for you. And depending on where you live, there may only be one option. Or one that's decent. Now, if you have an older modem or router or old wiring or uh, any number of other things, it can also be a hardware problem. Uh, you know, your equipment may need a reboot. Uh, you may need to replace it. There may be a firmware update. Um, sometimes there are devices that get exposed to DDoS attacks and they can figure out what you got and they start hammering it. You'll see all kinds of stuff in this space. But it's especially true if your ISP owns the equipment and you're just renting it because they don't always give you the most reliable stuff and they recycle things that may have been abused. And they also um, don't always tell you when they're sending out updates. They just update it and you're like, why is this not working? Yeah, it's 1048 in the morning. Why don't I have the internet? Yeah. Another reason is there may be too many people trying to do too much. 
And this can cause a lot of network congestion that will slow your service to a crawl and may appear as if you don't have access to the internet. Not really likely to be a problem at the office. Typically, they they have powerful enough internet to handle everyone there, depending on where you work. And traffic shaping. Yeah. But if you're at home, you may check into who and what other devices are using the internet. You know, if it's during the summer and you have kids, you know, you might have, you know, two or three devices streaming and playing online games all at the same time. And if all of your neighbors are doing that too, because you live in the suburbs or an apartment complex. Oh, apartment complexes are worse. Yeah. But like here, I've got uh, QoS stuff set up on the router. And so like my devices get priority over my family's devices, period. You know, whatever I'm doing, I have the hottest connection because I'm paying through the nose for it and it doesn't need to go to Netflix. Now, sometimes if you have a bad connection to your VPN or your VPN just is terrible, it can come across as if your internet connection is bad. To determine this, and this is what I do constantly, check your speeds on and off the VPN. And VPN, by the way, stands for very poor network. No, uh, <laughs> virtual private network. Um, but you'll find that those two terms are qu- quite equivalent. Well, um, see, the thing is, it it may be something at like the server that's hosting the VPN. Like it could be if you're, especially if you're working from home, it could be the office internet is having issues, and you just, you know, got to deal with it or be off the VPN. Yeah. Well, and run off the VPN when you can for that reason, because it's just, that's another vulnerability to your ability to get things done. A lot of times you can't though, because things like databases are there or whatever, or active directory, which also helps. So another thing you could do when you have no internet, obviously keep working on tasks that don't require you to have internet access. You'd be surprised how many tasks uh, this actually is. Most of us are web developers and, you know, we kind of have this headspace that we really need the internet to do our job. And that is true for full functionality. It's true probably for, you know, like an NPM update, although you can actually have local servers to cache stuff that you use frequently. But you can still get a lot of stuff done. Spend some time working on and updating your unit tests. Now, if your tests require the internet, then you need to evaluate them because they're not true unit tests. If you're having to talk across the wire to something, that's an integration test, not a unit test. And then something that I like to do uh, is make it a challenge to see how much code coverage you can get while the internet is out. Yeah. So if you're like, all right, I'm going, I don't know, you don't know how long you're going to be without internet. So you just start working on unit tests, especially if you're like, if you've been falling behind on doing them and just start working on code coverage and see how much you can get before you get the internet back. Or uh, see how many of your unit tests pass with no internet. Because like you said, that that's a signal that it may not be a unit test and you may need to refactor that. That's a great way to identify them. Mm-hmm. This is also a really good opportunity to create mocks so that you can run your application without having to rely on talking to a database or API over the web. You know, basically plugging so that you can test. Like with unit tests, this is going to allow you to do integration testing-ish without so many calls over the internet. It's it's not perfect because you're still wanting to test the underlying technology, but 
having those mocks in place will help. Yeah. It, it's not going to test if you got your connection set up right. What it's going to test is, hey, can I, you know, let's say you're doing a Angular application. Like if you mock up your API calls, right? You can still test your your code, your like, hey, does all the stuff work together? Not just this particular component or this service. And so that's going to to allow you to uh, to do that without having to make those API calls and not be reliant on them. This is also a good time to really dive into your CSS and make that app look pretty. Yeah, or you know, like actually spend some time just evaluating and going, hey, is is all this CSS actually needed? Yeah, that's true. Or is it making external calls itself because there's images and stuff that are hosted outside the site and maybe shouldn't be? You can check your functionality and go, hey, you know, are we pulling CSS from a CDN and we don't have a backup locally? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you may want to have a book on CSS handy or at least your phone nearby so you can look up stuff on the internet. Uh, speaking of phones, the next point is to use a mobile hotspot to continue working. Mobile hotspots can be a lifesaver, especially when you can do most of your work offline and then you know just use it to push your code up to a Git repository. I have done this several times working traveling and working and stuff like that, where it's just like, all right, mobile hotspot, hop on, push it up, back down, and, you know. I, I do that so I can authenticate with plural sites so I can watch downloaded videos because they don't keep their tokens around long enough. Um, <laughs> hint, if anybody at plural site is listening, uh, please tell someone. Another good use of your phone is to actually look up information. Um, this can be done on the phone or through the hotspot connected to your computer. Uh, you'll want to stick to things like blogs or articles or Stack Overflow. Video tutorials are probably out unless you just really want to see what your phone connection can do for some reason. Yeah, especially if you still have power so you can plug your phone in because you're going <laughs> to... Yeah, and you um, have an unlimited data plan. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's something. You can also use your mobile hotspot for staying in communication with your team while your internet is out especially if you're remote. I've used this when I've had power outages to keep up with Slack, and Teams, email through the phone. Actually, I had a, a situation, I guess I'm, a couple of weeks ago, I was in a one-on-one with my manager and her internet went out while we were on the call. And she continued the call via the Teams app on her phone. That happens more than I would like. Not oddly, not to me, but it happens to other people at my work for some reason. Whereas if I, if my internet goes out, I just stop the meeting. <laughs> um, that works too, I guess. Um, now I will say mobile networks can be a little squirrely uh, with VPNs. I mean, I've got it where I can VPN into the house from my cell phone and it seems stable at the moment. I'm not real sure how long that is going to stay that way. You know, some networks will actually, you know, mobile networks will allow it, uh, but others won't if you try to connect to a VPN. Uh, so if you can avoid it, don't use your mobile hotspot for testing your application or making calls to APIs or databases. Um, however, if you do have a mobile network that you're that is available and you're trying to set up a VPN at home, this keeps you from driving to McDonald's to test it out. <laughs> That's true. I know that because I did that last week. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you would, you would. 
Now, we, we've kind of hinted at this too. Watch your data usage when you're using your phone for internet access at work. A lot of plans, while they don't have a data cap, will severely reduce your speed after a certain point. So you want to use your data wisely. Like we said, probably not best to be testing your application if you, if you don't have to use a VPN. Like, Don't test your application unless you absolutely have to. Use it more for, you know, communication and pushing your code up to get repository, stuff like that. Another thing you could do to kind of triage this problem is to just go somewhere that actually has internet access. Uh, you'd be surprised how many places on the planet do. If you're working remotely and you live close enough that you can go into the office, obviously go there and use the internet there. Uh, your company may have a policy about this if the workforce lives close or if you're not fully remote. Uh, now that's a little bit squirrely just because of COVID and all those things. But, uh, you know, know these things beforehand and you'll be okay. Figure out whether you can go in or not. Now, now on the other side of this, if you're in the office, then you can use this as a reason to get some hours in at home. You know, if your boss hasn't learned yet that working from home actually works, this is another opportunity to show them how productive you can be when you're not in the office. Yeah, although if I would submit that if your boss hasn't learned from the pandemic, then they're not going to. Yeah. Now, you may not live close enough to go into the office. Like my office is six and a half hours away by car if you speed and don't get pulled over in Kentucky. But if you're in school while working, you could go to campus. Uh, most colleges are set up for studying, so you'll be able to focus and get some work done. Uh, yeah. Now, they may be a little funny about outbound ports and those kind of things, um, depending Depending. Like where you and I went to college, I could see them blocking stuff that, you know, being a little bit more aggressive than necessary. Uh, when I was taking discrete at MTSU last year, was it last year? Year before last. I I would go and do my morning work from MTSU because I think class was at 11. And so I would go over there in the morning, get a cup of coffee, do my work, have my meetings, go to class grab lunch on the way home and then work the rest of the day at home. I did something kind of like that with a, with a job where I was working for a client and I would drive into the office and do a half day there and then the other half at home. And that was weird. It was really nice about, you know, your effectiveness when you do that. Yeah. It's, it is funny how that, that plays out. Now, if you don't mind spending a little money and you're like me and noise actually helps you focus, you could go to a coffee shop or internet cafe. Now, you're going to want to be cautious with the Wi-Fi at these locations. Just saying, yeah. security-wise. Also, some coffee shops have firewalls that prevent you from accessing your work's VPN. I know this one from experience. Some neighbors' houses also do. <laughs> uh, you know, if you happen to have their Wi-Fi password. Uh, my you would. Old, hey, you know what? I kept the thing running. <laughs> so they're just like, oh, just connect to mine and you can... Okay, whatever. Now, public libraries also have free internet, although they have similar or worse cons uh, security concerns to coffee shops. Um, both options only work if you're able to take your work machine with you. Uh, you know, like, in other words, a laptop or a tablet. Uh, you don't want to be taking a full tower case in there. I mean, I've seen people do that in coffee shops, but you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And, and they always, and I guarantee you the guy you have in your head that doing that looks exactly the same as the guy that I have in my head doing that, even though it's not the same guy. Probably. So next, use the downtime to do some cleaning. We've kind of hit on this 
a little bit throughout this episode. Um, obviously, I need to clean. Well, just cleaned. Since you still have power, use the time without internet access to clean up your desk or the folders and filing on your computer. Unless you are extremely precise, you likely have several files just sitting out there that need to be placed in the correct folder. You've got desktop organization, and I don't mean like physical, I mean virtual desktop organization that you could be doing on your computer, being productive, getting stuff done. You can also, this is also a good time to check your backups, uh, by the way, because uh, that's that's often what I do when the, the internet goes out. I'm like, okay, let's make sure everything's in the backup set that is supposed to be there. Now, if it's going to be a longer outage, then take the time to organize your office space or area within your office. Bookshelves can always be reorganized. And again, there's always something that needs to be filed. Um, and speaking of things that are always there, uh, your house has probably got some area that needs to be cleaned if you're at home. Like that's just the way it is. You know, cleaning is really the act of putting stuff somewhere less obvious. So take a break from work and actually just get some housework done, like throw a little laundry in. I mean, a, a lot of times the downtime is not going to be that long anyway. So if you go ahead and start something that you were going to do tonight, that's just that much more of your free time you get back in the evening. Yeah. Uh, and it probably won't make a huge difference to your work anyway. And finally, have some offline training materials at hand. It's a good idea to have a stack of books to read when you have some downtime. And they don't have to be about coding or computer science. You can use this time to read up about leadership, business practices, or even management if that's your career goal. I have this book, um, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. Yeah, I've been but, meaning to get that one, actually. I've I've got one on over here on DevOps that's yeah. exactly the same position for the same reason. Yeah, and that that's actually on my performance plan is to read that book for work. So I had a situation, the internet didn't go out, but one of my developers was sick the other day. And I finished the story that I was working on and I went and looked in the backlog and all the other stories, because we're starting a new uh, new app, all the other stories were reliant on the setup one that he was working on when he left. And I didn't realize that because I was working on the old, like the previous app that we were just, I'm like doing some wrap up work on it. I was like, all right, well, I got nothing I can do till he finishes tomorrow. So I'm going to do some training. And I saw the book and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to be reading this anyway. So I'm just going to grab it and go. Yeah. It's, it's worth doing. And, and by the way, you can do that. You know, with Kindle books, you can do that with, uh, you can also do it with course stuff. You know, I do that with Pluralsight courses as well. Um, well, yeah, if you've got, if you've got them downloaded. Yeah, I always do. And I really don't know why I do that. Now that I think about it at length, I guess it's because it's like that old school, like you had to download, otherwise stuff was buffering. Yeah, that makes sense. But I really don't, I think it's kind of a weird habit now, but uh, yeah, definitely do that. Uh, you can also use this time to review material from courses you've previously taken. Uh, maybe you didn't finish some of the work, you know, now it's a good time to actually uh, go through it. Uh, if you've got tools on your computer where you can uh, keep articles and those actually get saved where they go to your desktop, this is also good. Same kind of thing. This can also be a good time to uh, work through your code katas. You'll kind of already need to have some since you won't be able to look them up online. But if you 
if you have a list of katas or just some stuff that you want to be like, all right, I'm going to hammer through this. I'm going to like try to get faster at doing these things. Um, this is a really good time to do that if you're completely out from getting any work done because of it. And finally, you can also take a moment to uh, review your previous trainings and actually look for holes or gaps in what you know uh, so that when the internet is available, you can look for ways to actually fix those things. So guys, being productive takes effort and willpower to keep going when there are other things that are vying for your attention. The case is even more so when you are lacking essentials like power or internet. Staying productive during an outage requires you to have a plan in place well before the outage occurs. When you have to trust in that plan and follow through with it, that's going to really make it work. The tips here are not an exhaustive list of all the things you could do in an outage to remain productive. They're just the ones that we found most important. Use them as a guide to help you in creating your own plan for how you will remain productive when everyone else is at a loss because of the outage. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I saw a quote uh, on Facebook that may have been Malcolm X. It may have also been misattributed to him. I don't know for sure, and I didn't really have time to look it up. You know, he kind of talks about, you know, we talk about deer crossing the road and what we're really talking about is the road crosses the forest. Uh, you know, we have a we have a bias for thinking that our unnatural systems that change the way that default reality is are the default. And if you flip that on its head and you go, okay, the default is to not have internet, to not have power, to not have XYZ. And you start looking at things from that perspective, uh, a lot of times it really empowers you to go, okay, well, the default is I don't have internet. So by default, I need to have things where I can work with no internet versus, hey, if this comes up, right? Because like if sounds like, okay, if there's a tornado and the internet goes out, then here's how I'm going to handle it versus the internet will go out because the default is for it not to be there. What am I going to do then? And, and so start kind of use that sort of headspace, uh, not just with stuff like this, but with systems that you talk to, right? Like the default for a server is to not be online. It's dead matter. It, it It's great that it works. It's great that most of them work. The default is not working because, you know, we, we made that artificially happen. Uh, so if you can get in that headspace of making the assumption that stuff is going to fail because the failure is the natural state, it's going to put you in a better position versus having a normalcy bias. And I just, I just found that really uh, profound today. And then I was, you know, going through this outline uh, at the absolute last minute preparing for the episode. That's your default state? Uh, no, my default state is actually the last second. So, like, this is 60 times better at least. But <laughs> uh, going through the outline, I was like, you know, that really matches that quote, right? Because the assumption here is, is that, yes, the power is going to go out. The internet is going out. Um, and, and I'll tell you another thing that this adds, if you make the assumption that things are going to be that way, that the power could go out and the internet could go out, try practicing what happens when they are out. Uh, you may find that it's not as bad as you thought. Um, you know, this goes all the way back to the, um, the Stoics. You know, they have this uh, practicing poverty thing. Think about what your life would be like if, if you were completely broke. How would you get you know, through a day on $2 on food? And actually try it sometime you'll understand that the natural defaults, while they completely suck, they're survivable. 
and it will give you an appreciation for the things that you have and it'll also help you plan for the things that you might not have at some point in the future. And that's pretty much all I've got. Also, we do have an aftercast. We're going to talk about tips for optimizing focus and working through distractions. This is well worth your time. Suggest you uh, sign up for that and you can find more information about that on our Patreon. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.